you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The fan base is buying it. And it's because what's not to like? He plays hard. Yes. He hustles and he's doing what it takes for his team to win. The Orange Zone, sponsored by Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks. What's up, what's up? Welcome into the award-winning Orange Zone podcast. What's up from the Skycam? I'm Tommy Sladak. We have Samantha Croston. We have Super Bowl champion James Mungro. And we have Brendan Hodges on the producer, Mike. A reminder, you can find every episode on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you want to listen. Also, check out our YouTube page. New episodes release Wednesdays. We invite you to like, comment, subscribe, share, be a part of this. We've been getting great comments. Let's keep it going. And make sure to follow us on our all-new Instagram and TikTok page for more Orange Zone content. So the big one today, the big one this week... Syracuse football got a win. They actually won a game. We're breaking down that win over Pittsburgh. Can they have this run-heavy strategy? Can that succeed now that the element of surprise is gone? We get into trivia. We have game picks for Georgia Tech. We do a little bit of everything, and at the end, we got to talk about the two 5-5 five and five teams in upstate New York because, oh my goodness, the Bills are 5-5. Five and five. Sam, how you feeling? James, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good, and there's something that I want to get out of the way right off the top here because okay. I do think that it's important sometimes to just Elephant say the what the truth is. Elephant in the room. Okay. Brendan's the only one who got the prediction right from last week. Yeah, let's give him his flowers. How to say um, it. Brendan, it, it, you're, anything to say? This is your time. Y'all should listen to your producer more. Mm. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And here's the thing. I went, I roll and emoji. he said about Valori, too. I, I went <laughs> back. Did, so here's the thing. I went back he and watched it. the tape because – as I mentioned last week, I was calling volleyball, so I wasn't able to watch the game. So really, I just had the box score and like watched a little bit at the end when it was kind of over. Um, went back, watched the tape of us, not of the game. I will say this. I wasn't like exactly right. I was the only one to pick Syracuse to win. Pat on the back for that. I said that both teams would combine for 50 rushing attempts. Thank you, Syracuse University. You blew that prediction out of the water on your own. And I did mention the Wildcat. And while you guys were right, they didn't have an entire offense based out of that. It was a significant portion of what they did at Yankee Stadium, which was really ironic considering it was celebrating 100 years of football at the stadium. And they went back 100 years for the playbook that they ran on Saturday. Yeah. So nice job. It worked. We got a W. This is the first uh, one we got in November and how long? Oh, November. I mean, November... Dino Babers, historically, November is not a good month. (laughs) But I will say, I think, to me, the bigger part is that this is the first time we're talking about a win since literally September. Yes. Wow. That's insane. And, I mean, and guess what? It it felt like it. It felt like the five, six weeks, whatever it was, to finally get here. So, just to recap it, 28-13, to the final score. The big story in this one is that it was very apparent from the first drive that Garrett Schrader, while he was back in and playing... And back flipping. And back flipping, his throwing arm was not 
doing well. He yes. had one, really, he had two throws. One of them happened to be a touchdown pass to Max Mang, which even that was a little bit fluttery. You could see him pulling at it. And from there, you really got the sense of, okay, this is going to be a team that is going to try to win with the run. Whether it's Garrett Trader back there, LaQuinn Allen, or Dan Valari, those three were the three-headed monster. 1,000%. And I mean, moving forward, the thing that you said that sticks out to me the most is this idea of the element of surprise right. is gone. Right. And I think it's I think it's really cool, and I'm impressed by the fact that Schrader, despite the fact that he's hurt, is giving it his all, giving it a shot, trying to get his team to this bowl game. Because Legs I look know great, by the they, way. They right? still have their eyes on that. Absolutely. But but the point does remain now that the two remaining teams that are the regular season competition are watching this film. Is there a way you can pull that off again twice? And how sustainable really is it? That's my question moving forward. Despite that, a really cool, unique game that I think most of this fan base will just never forget. They play power football, and they beat up on Pittsburgh up front. I mean, I was watching the game, and they dominated like how we saw them dominate early on in the season, Mm -hmm. Um, the first six games. Uh, I mean, this they won, and let's be excited about that. They won. The team was also two and seven though, as well. Right. But they got a W, and that's all we ask for is a W. We don't care who you're playing. You can't choose who you're playing, but when you are playing, what do you do? They won old school, and they ran that ball unbelievable. And I mean, and everybody got a piece of the pie, you know. And and what I think the coaches will probably do, they'll probably add you know three or four more plays to that package to confuse people. Um, because right now, at the end, at the end, there was no confusion at all. You knew what they're going to do, and they still couldn't stop it. And credit the offense. You know, the offense was stronger uh, and better shape than Pittsburgh. But um, were they be able to, re- you know, retain that whole thing, doing it again, you know, the next two weeks? I don't think that's possible. Because, right. I mean – we just lined up and ran straight at him, straight forward. I mean, there was no left or right. We I mean, credit the O-line. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, 100%. And, but again, though, is it making Syracuse better? You know, playing against softer guys? But we got a W, so let's be happy about it. The way they were playing, wasn't gonna, it wasn't looking like they were going to beat anyone the rest of the season. So yeah. to have that response to me was everything you could ask for given the situation and how they were able to adapt. Because what they did was a risk. Yeah. And it was a big risk. And D- Baber said it after the game. He's like, if it didn't go well, you know, he's like, I would have been getting ripped apart. And he probably yeah. would have been. But it worked. And the big risk came with a big reward with what they were able to do. And I have some stats to back this up here. And it's I'm starting with this because it's a great one because we have this man at the table. Syracuse ran the ball 66 times wow. against Pitt. That is the most they've run the ball since a 2001 win over Boston College when they also ran it 66 times. James Mungro ran for a career-high 184 yards and two touchdowns that game. Do wow. you remember that day? Uh, not really. <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> not really. Uh, I just remember being up there in Boston, but I couldn't remember those stats or anything like that. At all by no means. Those type of games. Did we win? That's what. That's the most important. Thing. You did win, thirty-nine okay. to twenty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's the most important thing. Um, here's something that I feel like your your body probably remembers is, you know, I spoke with Dan Valari earlier today. This is Tuesday that we're recording this. And, you know, he had 154 yards. He had 17 carries. And I'm like, I'm guessing that takes a toll on the body. He's like, yeah. When you're a part of a team that's running the ball 66 times, are you feeling that? 
those three boys are feeling it. I mean, even <laughs> offense. I mean, because it was a very powerful game out there, and uh, it was all just about power. I mean, it was no finesse. I mean, they ran a couple of finesse plays. The one finesse plays, Schrader did you know fumble the ball, but besides that, it just lined up, went straight forward. And yes, you're going to feel that. And you know, those three guys, the three guys uh, there, an offensive lineman, well deserving to get some rest because. Uh, you know, it's going to be a short week, and you're back up at it again on Saturday. But, um, yeah, that, that's amazing six, six times. And, you know, Syracuse, I mean, they, they surprised us. Like, like, like I said, I didn't think they were going to win that game going into it because we didn't know what they were capable of doing. We know what they're capable of doing, but against good teams, we didn't know who the quarterback was going to be. So, you know, with Schrader being out back there, I, I tell you what was impressive, though. And, I mean, God darn it, Schrader, he, he'll never learn because he's going to go full speed 100 miles per hour every single time. Uh, you know, they ran, they ran a quarterback uh, lead block. I love those. And, I love those. You can't and, do them too often. And, and he just and it was him. early in the game, and he went out, and he just demolished the linebacker. Yeah. And it's like it, – so, I mean, his shoulder, it's, it's sore. It's probably the rotation of his arm. He can't rotate the arm or throw, you know. But besides yeah. that, he's laying his shoulder down, you know, level on linebackers and stuff like that, and he's the right. quarterback. So, um I, give, I take my hat off to him because he's, he's a very tough kid, a very tough kid, and he's not willing to go down easy. It'll be interesting to see what capacity we do see of Garrett the rest of the season. You know, Dino kind of made a mention after the, um, you know, around Boston College when we first learned that he wasn't playing in that game because he suffered an injury against Virginia Tech that he was like, you know, it's a, it's a wait and see. And so I'm curious if that wait and see is going to be, if that throwing arm is going to be able to do its thing. But I think we learned from that pick game that he's just trying to be out there for his, for his dogs. Yeah, Which I, I, And I do really appreciate that. I also recognize the fact that throwing and then running the ball are different motions. But is there any concern at all if you're a part of that coaching staff that – him running that much and that taking a toll on his body could impact the injury somehow. Uh, you know something, yes, but it's end of the school, end of the year now. I mean, it's, just like it's, screw it's, it. It's, it's it's all in. I mean, uh, there's no guarantee that they'll make it to a bowl game. So there's two game, was three games left. Two, two games left. Um, it's all in, and I I think we saw that you know by last week with them dialing up some different plays in the Wildcat, um, getting somebody else more, getting Dan involved. And look, look, look what he did with the ball in his hands. It's like, so we have another weapon. Uh, unfortunately, you know, the wide receivers now, you know, we got to figure something how to get the ball to the wide receivers to keep, right. them, keep them honest, some screen work or something like that. Um, but I don't think he'll be able to throw the ball down the field far. And, you know, the way he played, his shoulder is sore. The rotation that up, be sore, but his shoulders are sore and his neck as well. And that's the biggest question for this podcast, right, for in, in our job and – in what we're trying to do and figure out this week, what is the most important question for Syracuse football moving forward? And it's how they approach this offense. Because again, it ties back into the element of surprise. That's gone. Georgia Tech's going to be preparing for this. The big question becomes, are things switched up or does Dino Babers and Jason Beck say, try to stop it? And I think it's going to be a little bit of both because you can't have it go full on again. Yeah. It's a full load the box, what have you. The question is to get the pass game a little bit more involved and to tweak it up, switch it up, keep surprising them. What is that going to take? Because I, my gut says it's not going to be Garrett doing those throws. Do I think it's going to be a little bit more of Falari doing the throws? Yes. I think he kind of not alluded to that today, but he said that he had that one overthrow to LaQuinn Allen you know, was really bothering him, and then we see what happens when he runs angry. Yeah. He literally bulldozes people. 
He's like, I make that play a hundred out of a hundred times in practice. He's like, I messed that up. He's like, I'm going to be ready next time. He's a little bit more involved. Del Rio Wilson, is he going to be ready to go? I don't know. Is it going to be Luke McPhail? Is it going to be Braden Davis? That's for us to try to figure out. And I think, you know, with the two games left, I mean, you're going to just, you're going to throw in a couple of new plays, like I said. But, I mean, it's all out. Just, everything right now, you're just going to put it on the line because, uh, I mean, that's what they did pretty much against Pittsburgh. I mean, right. we lined up and said, stop us. We're going to run the ball straight ahead at you. Stop us. They wore down Pittsburgh, and that's great. That's the credit to Syracuse offense. They finally wore down a team and just totally just blasted them. I mean, the holes are humongous. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do. I, I do think that it is a mix of both. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see certain new things added because, again, you want to hold on to that element of surprise as much as possible. But to Mungro's point, there is a difference between – watching the film and knowing what an offense is going to do and then actually being able to stop them. True. Two completely different things. And the formations were different almost every every drive, every set, right? And so that to me is like you can say, okay, we're going to try to run the ball. It's And you look over at Army, right? You look at Navy and it's like, you know, granted they're not a perennial powerhouse every year, but people know what they're going to do. Yeah, that's actually good. And, and they have a hard time trying to stop it. And, you know, the, the biggest surprise is Dan, obviously, Dan. And – you know, when he ran the ball, they did the fake to the left with the quarterback and running back going to the left, and he just ran. I mean, they were focused on – because, again, Syracuse has only so many weapons. The quarterback, the running back, and the wide receivers. But if the wide receivers can't – the quarterback can't throw, the right. wide receivers are not a weapon no more. So those two guys right there is like Pittsburgh said, if we stop these two guys, we can win the game. And we have you know, another guy, Dan, that came out exactly. of the He made a name for himself here at Syracuse. Dan. and. Uh, he ran that ball pretty hard. <laughs> He's, he, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, how about this stat? As part of that rushing attack, Garrett Schrader, LaQuint Allen, and Dan Villari all ran for over 100 yards, becoming the first trio to do so since 1997. 97. Freshman year? Freshman year, 97. Donovan McNabb, D. Brown, Kyle McIntosh. Yeah. I just can't believe that it was done before. You right? Know? You see that thing <laughs> yeah. and you're like, no, you're like, this has to be a first. It's, That's amazing. They couldn't stop the run. Pittsburgh just could not stop the run, and then we just wore them down, mm -hmm. took it into fourth quarter, and they just, you know, we just bullied them. We just bullied them the whole time. Valari has that aura to him where the fan base is buying in, and it's because what's not to like? He plays hard. Yes. He hustles, and he's doing what it takes for his team to win. And to me, that's the recipe to becoming a fan favorite and kind of that cult following, so to speak, that we see over the years in this in this fan base, in this community. Speaking with him today, he's he Tuesday, sorry. He's one of our favorite players to speak with because he's so honest. And Sam's talked about that in the past. And he gave us a tidbit today, or Tuesday, that we had not learned before and that we knew that LaQuinn Allen had, had some sort of players-only meeting. Same exact mindset. Do that you can just tell hates losing. We'll do anything not to have that happen. Found out, found out that Valari actually had a meeting with the offensive line. And he said he felt like there were some guys out there not giving everything. He's, and he said, and I quote, if you love me, you're going to go hard for me. If you love me, you're going to go hard. And that you know, care that they have for him and respect that they have for him, I think – Who's to say? But I think what we saw from that offensive line was maybe a result because they, I felt like they gave it everything. Well, I think every quarterback that plays football needs to say that to the offensive line. All right, but he's a tight end, <laughs> so he's a little bit of both, right? Yeah. yeah and yeah, so it's like yeah. I feel like he 
to them, he's he's kind of one of their own. Yeah. Right. And, and, and I mean, playing tight end, you're part of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, obviously, like you were saying. Watching tape with them, I'm sure. Yeah, he's stuff watching like tape that. and, you know, you're involved with a lot of the stuff because you're part of the line. Uh, he, he played really good. You know, the, the I like that Dino was able to find another weapon. Right. But why couldn't we find that weapon earlier? Mm. That's, that, you know, that's one, you know, as a coach, uh, he's doing it now. But we should have had that weapon, you know, a while ago. We should, this, the package should have been involved. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a while ago when we were losing before, and now we're using, you know, using it now. Yeah, granted, we're using it now, but it's a little too late. Why take the training wheels off this late? Is what you're saying? Yeah, take yeah. them off early, give the risk early. You and do the risk. I mean, what do you have to lose? I mm-hmm. mean, we, you lost the games anyways, so you might as well try something different. And now they are trying something different, and hopefully, you know, it continues to, on the same path they're on. And uh, you know, the power of football that can only last for so long because right. the body's going to be sore. You know, so we're going to have to put the ball in air somehow. How? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It is. And I mean, I sort of see that from both sides as far as when was it the right time to start implementing things like this? Because again, when you say, what do you have to lose? I feel like after, you know, four or five losses straight, then all of a sudden it really does become a, what do you have to lose mentality? But it wasn't like that three losses in when it was three losses to three pretty good teams you know at that point I still feel like the conversation was more was that just really great competition let's just see what we can do against a team like Boston College or whatnot I feel like it was after that loss to Boston College that it really became what do, what do we have to lose let's get weird with it let's just throw everything at the wall and truly start to see what sticks well you know when we played at Clemson and Florida you know Florida State all those good teams like that took a lot out of us that took a lot yeah. out of us, and I think now we're just finally rebounding. So it shows how far we off, how far we off in ACC with other teams, because you know those losses, you know, like again, those teams are playing back to back and playing good teams every week. And now you know we're playing not as good as teams, but you know we're beating up on these teams. But the teams that we played, the tough teams, they wore us down, and we couldn't respond back. You know, like in Spalsa College, like we were, st- we were still worn down from the previous games. Right, and and talk about a response though, or or what the defense is able to feed off of when the offense is able to have those drives and take up that time and give them breathers. You get results. You yeah. get the interception for the touchdown from Jaden Bellamy. You get the fumbles. Granted, some of them were Pitts doing. Pitt fans, oof, they're in a tough spot right now. But end of the <laughs> I day, we we're in a tough spot. But <laughs> end of the day, so is Syracuse. Yeah. And they executed, and they won by two touchdowns and outscored them 21 to nothing in the second half. That's called finishing strong. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Brandon, looking ahead to Georgia Tech, Bellamy said when we spoke with him, he's like, it's kind of like a Super Bowl feel because you have two five and five teams 
Exactly. Six is the magic number for a bowl eligibility. And one is more desperate than the other right now. And explain why. Georgia Tech, uh, there are these things called rivalries, guys. Yeah, heard of them. And uh, one of Georgia's biggest rivals happens to be the two-time defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. They play them in the final week of the regular season. Ain't that just fun? Let's just uh, <laughs> yes. say, for uh, sake of argument, uh, Georgia Tech loses that game. Mm-hmm. They will have really hoped they have won this upcoming game against yeah. Syracuse because they are 5-5. Five and five. To become bowl eligible, you need to be at least 500. And then there are some cases where a 5-7 and seven team will get in because there aren't enough sure. 500 teams. But you want to be 500. Just, that's just embarrassing. 5-7 and seven going to a bowl game, they shouldn't have that. And you don't want – I mean, you have to, I guess, with, you know, with the math, but that's just like – I feel bad for the years when the 6-6 six and six team doesn't get in. That I know, way. right? Go to the Division two school and get the championship out of there and get and, rid of those guys. But, but then, hey. so here's the thing. Georgia Tech – Honestly, why not? I would bet you Georgia Tech is saying we need to win this game. There is no other option. We have <laughs> yeah. to win this game. And Syracuse would have to go into the mindset of we also have to win this game, even though we know we have another opponent that we are even with, if not better than, coming up in Week 13. What does Yellow Jacket Nation want us to know, Brendan? Yellow Jacket Nation wants you to know their offense is one of the best in the ACC. They are, as I turn the page here, Fourth in scoring in the conference, 32 points per game. Sixth in passing, which is middle of the pack, but you like to have a balanced offense, and when you have almost 200 yards rushing and 250 yards passing per game, it's pretty good. you take it, you take it. What they also want you to know, though, is that they turn the ball over. Mm. And their turnover margin is basically even, but because of that, it really correlates to the fact they're kind of an average team. They're 5-5, five and five. their quarterback, Haynes King, tied for the most interceptions thrown in the nation. Wow. Um, with a quarterback at Colorado State. I'm blanking on his name because uh, it's not relevant to Syracuse right now because he's out west and they're never going to play them unless it's in a bowl game. Um, Haynes King also has 30 total touchdowns, though, so he can beat you in the air, he can beat you on the ground, but mm. he's going to throw you a couple, and Syracuse just has to make sure that they, they corral him and, and have him. We saw Jaden Bellamy with a pick. We see Justin Barron all over the place every game. I'm surprised that he hasn't had more turnovers than, than – than he has already. I'd say the club on his arm. Uh, that, plays that, a role. It, it does, <laughs> but like having, after having that on your arm for a while, like you get used to it, and you see yeah. guys make catches, like even with the club. Defensively is where Georgia Tech also struggles, though. Those turnovers put good their defense, and ba- it, it is good for Syracuse. Uh, Georgia Tech last in the ACC <clears throat> in stopping the run. Mm. I think you guys know Whoa. where I'm. I think you guys know where I'm leaning. If I have to pick okay. this game this That's week, That's interesting. Yeah, uh, well, we want you in on it. Second to last in giving up points, and uh, third to last in passing. I-, I wouldn't expect Syracuse to pass the ball in this game. I- I- they'll pass it more. I think what they had eight attempts against Pitt, right? Something like that. But that was a mix of yeah, you know, different yeah. people. Yeah, let's the ball. throw they it. Might have only had five. I'll yeah, I don't know, that. but. Uh, guys to watch on the defensive side. I'll go with their safety core. They really have three guys. It'll be on the field most of the time. Jalen King, Clayton Powell, Lee are two on the notes. And then I was looking deeper into it on Tuesday afternoon. LaMiles Brooks is actually their other technical starting safety. Mm-hmm. But they have a third safety in there that will play in the box or maybe they just play shell. Um, so it, it, those safeties are going to have to run the alley for Georgia Tech to try and stop the run. If they can't and Syracuse can block them all up, I don't know what else you can say. Syracuse should be able to run the ball on Georgia Tech again. Okay. Well, I, I like that because, um, you know, our strengths, are weaknesses and back and forth. So, uh, you know, our defense, um, as long as the offense go out there and, you know, run the ball effectively, efficiently, um, 
we'll be good. We'll yeah. be all right. Um, defense will do, do their stuff. They've been doing their stuff all year. It's just the offense, really, honestly. I like to imagine that the, you know, Dino, Jason Beck, whoever truly had a hand in coming up with that game plan and, like we mentioned, throwing, they threw it all out there. Yeah. They said, we, we're, we're going to try anything we don't care and we're going to see if it works. Do you think that type of confidence that that game created for them, do you think that game has an impact on, on the coaches more than we realize because they're feeling a little bit more free with what they can do? You know, I, I think the coaches are happy with the game plan, but to withstand that and continue with that, that's going to be – that's going to be something hard. Right. And knowing that your quarterback has a, you know, injury with his shoulder, I mean, yeah, we could run the ball and suck him up, you know, get the safeties all down, bring him all the way down to the box because they know we're going to run the ball and then throw over top of him. But, again, we have to be able to throw the ball over top of him. So you need to have somewhat of a threat. Yeah, you got to have somewhat of a threat. And, I, I mean, you know, I think we have the skill set to do it. Mm-hmm. Do we have the skill set to actually throw the ball? That's going to be – so I, I think they're going to be practicing, practicing that a lot this uh, – this past week, you know, okay. this week coming up. Game I picks. like the idea. I was going to say, it, it's about time for that because I know hope is not a strategy, but I'm feeling, dare I say, a little hopeful right now. Okay. Especially after it's, – it's Brendan's stat about their defense that, that is making me feel like, okay, if they have a hard time stopping the run, then this could be an interesting matchup. You know, this could, this could maybe work. I agree with what you've been saying. I think you have to implement some kind of a passing game, something, like just to keep the other team honest, whoever the opponent is, that's it. Like enough that it keeps you on your toes. What are we doing? How are we setting up here? I feel like if it's just run, 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 run. At some point, I do think they'll stop the run. So very interested to see what new things they come out with. But I feel I'm ready for picks at this point in time. Okay. You want to fire away? Yeah. Let's I, go. I, I do feel like Syracuse sh- showed me enough that I'm, I'm ready to bet on them again this uh-huh. week. I'm really interested to see what they're going to come out with offensively. I think that <clears throat> if Georgia Tech has a hard time stopping the run, they're not doing well stopping the run against ACC opponents, and Syracuse runs the ball a lot, that is a recipe for, for potential success. I'm going to go – does anybody know what, this, what the spread is on this six game? Six and a half, Brendan has. Six and a half in Oof. Georgia Tech's favor. Really? Yes. Uh, that, that, I will say that line is most likely, A, Georgia Tech is playing at home. They've also gone four and three in the ACC. They've had a little more success in conference than Syracuse has this season. All right. Despite that, I normally I, – I feel like I may end up regretting this, but I'm just going to do it anyway. I'm still going to go with – a like thirty to twenty one. Wow. Okay. Game, which I I know I know it seems like a lot of points being put up there, but I am gonna go with that anyway. Um, I'm gonna go Syracuse winning this game thirty to twenty one. Okay. James Mungo. You said thirty to twenty one. You said yes, thirty to twenty one. I say. Uh, I think uh, honestly, Syracuse scored some points. They're gonna run mm-hmm. the ball. So I think they're going to be able to score. Um, I think Georgia Tech will be able to score too as well. So I think it's going to be a little bit cl- close. Uh, I like your score, but I think it's going to be closer, like more like 30 to 28. 30 to 28, who wins? Syracuse. Syracuse wins. Um, Brendan, are you ready? 
Yeah, man, I, I, I'm ready. I'll, I'm taking Syracuse to win, too. I'm going to say it's going to be a bit lower scoring, though, mm-hmm. just because like we've seen some explosive run plays, but for the most part, it's like three, four yards a pop. We wouldn't get the explosives till later in the game, like the Valari run. Um, right. there, there were big ones towards the end of the game that really broke it open. I'll say it's more of like a 20-17 to 17 Syracuse win. I just mm-hmm. think they're going to grind out the clock and not give Georgia Tech enough time. I do think turnovers play a big part in this game. Yes. If Syracuse can get a couple early ones and get the lead, they won't have to score as much because right. they're already running the ball as well as they are. Well, for me, at this point, as I needed to hear you, Hodges, there, I'm uh, – I'm looking out for the SU fan base. I'm looking out for the community here because everyone knows when you're watching the panel before a game and everyone comes up with the same logo, that's you know considered the ultimate jinx for your team if every single person on the panel, all the analysts are picking your team. I'm going Georgia Tech here 24-21. to 21. Um, How's that good for the Syracuse fans? Because, I know I'm, going, what you mean. because I'm going against them. Because oh, gotcha. when it's okay, when it's a clean gotcha, slate, gotcha, it's just okay, it's okay. kind of the kiss of death, and we've done it to them. Manson, Keep in mind, this is the same guy <laughs> who also he changed his score the day after the podcast from twelve to ten to fifteen to ten, and lost against the spread. Oh, uh, we don't. I know this is this, this is like this is unique. I'm actually happy that you're picking this because I feel like most of the time, us three at this table are picking the same. Who at least at least who we think is going to win. Right. So this is an opportunity right. for one of us to kind of get ahead here. Right. Exactly. Our um, picks. A little bit. Y- of you don't need to worry about getting ahead. Like, Sam honestly, is already way ahead. I changed. I changed <laughs> my. I changed my pick, Brendan, because I. I truly forgot what I said. When I said in my pick, I, I was like, did I say fifteen or did I say twelve? I was like, I think I said fifteen. So that's the only reason I did that. But I'm going tech here, twenty-four to twenty-one. Uh. I think Syracuse gets to a ball game. I think they get to six and six. I don't think it happens this weekend against Georgia Tech. I think it happens against Wake Forest. Even though Tech has not done well with the run, I've seen it in the past with some of these teams where I'm looking over at the calendar right now, sorry. And I remember whether it be Florida State or whoever had those weaknesses in their defense and whatnot, and Syracuse just wasn't able to exploit that. So I think we'll see some encouragement. I hope I'm wrong. But I think the win's happening against Wake Forest. But let me also say this really quick. To be eligible, 6-6. Six and six, There's right. no guarantee that the bowl committee is going to pick you as well. Very true. Very true. That is the magic number six for bowl eligibility. There we go. Um, game picks, we'll find out. Against the spread overall, I'm 8-2, and 3-6 and six against the spread. Wolf, Sam, 7-2, and 6-2 and two against the spread. She's on fire. Ashley, 7-2, and 4-4. Four and four. James, 5-3, and 3-4. Three, three and four. Moten, 1-0, one 1-0. One and oh, one and oh. So, basically, I'm in last. Uh, and we're working on that. Producer Brennan's trivia. Let's get it. Yeah, we're going to go back to Dan Valari, guys. Everyone's Let's favorite go. son. James Mungrove's new favorite Syracuse football player. <laughs> After his 154-yard rushing performance against Pitt, Valari now ranks 145th on Syracuse's all-time rushing list. Congratulations, Dan. (laughs) Where does he rank among tight ends on that list? For rushing? Yes. Oh, man. Wow. Evil Brendan's out to play. Wow. I have my answer. Now, when you're saying... For a single game, you're saying, where is he? No, it's not single game. This is all-time rushing list. So after his game on Saturday, he ranks 145th all-time in rushing in Syracuse program history. Among tight ends, what does he rank on that same list? 
You really? You think? 154 for a tight end is absurd. I know. No, we had a couple tight ends. I think that. I don't that know. That ran the ball? That, that ran I don't the know. ball more than that. I mean. I'm going to go third. Third. Okay. Mongro, do you have an answer? Yeah, 12. Go with 12. Dan Valori is not first. <sighs> He's not third. Oh. He is second. Oh. Behind. Oh. And, and yeah, behind, I will. Behind who? Joe Donnelly? Uh, no, Brian Pacucci. What year? That well, He was there 90 to 93. Um, technicality here. Pacucci only played tight end his last year at Syracuse, but he was still a tight end. He is. What, was he running back before that? He was a fullback. So he, oh, he, this is this is. I here's call. the thing, though. I feel like he needed a big asterisk. In yeah, this question. big asterisk. Here's the thing. Okay, Come first on, of all, bro. he's only 67 yards behind him. So if they run the ball like they did last week, he's going to pass and be the first all time. He is also only 2,712 yards behind the man sitting at the table, James Mungrow. James, right. he is coming for your spot <laughs> at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, okay. 2,000. <laughs> James didn't even entertain that. He's like, no. James um, likes him so much, I figured I had to say it. Uh, a big story in central New York this week, and it ties into more of a human question and a human-slash-moral part of sports. And if you're not caught up, make sure you're checking our website, cnycentral.com, to get into the mix with this. And that is Cicero North Syracuse, local high school, biggest high school, suburban high school in central New York. The head coach and starting quarterback were not at the Section 3 Class AA championship game over the weekend at the Dome. The quarterback was suspended from school, so he didn't play. The coach was upset with that, upset with that decision, and decided to resign before playing the game. So it was other assistant coaches that coached the game CNS went and lost to CBA by a few scores. They lost to them in the regular season, so who's to say if it would play an impact? Um, Sam has been covering this pretty closely. Sam, what do you have on this? Anything else that I'm missing that is important context before I open it up? I thought you did a really good job explaining <clears throat> the situation, actually. But, again, like you said, whether or not this matters, I'm not sure, but I do think that it is important to note that CNS, first of all, really, really great football team only loss of the season was that loss to CBA, right. you know, however many weeks ago. So whether or not it would have made a difference as far as the game being won or lost, we're not sure. But the bigger question is what do people think about the fact that this decision was made by the head coach to step away? Other important context is he did say, cause we had a sit down interview yesterday right here on James street. And he said that there was a 95% chance that he was going to resign at the end of this season no matter what. But it was this decision that the school made to suspend the quarterback that turned that 95% into 100. So with that being said, the, the, the things that, that we touched on, basically as far as if you want to know why he did it, again, that interview is on our YouTube page, not the Orange Zone, but on CMY Central. But he said that he felt like the district – didn't fully investigate. He felt like the decision was made too quickly in between the time that the incident happened that caused the, sus the suspension and the time that they actually made the decision to suspend the quarterback. And he thinks that instead of looking at a handbook to determine what is going to happen with someone's fate, 
He thinks that you need to consider the families, that they should have been involved in the discussion. He thinks that mental health should have been looked at and what it would have meant for the quarterback moving forward. And because of that and because of what he quote, he says are his values, he felt that he had to leave. And he says that the entire team or the majority of the team, players and coaches, supported him. What do you think about his decision to leave and not coach the rest of the team? That is terrible. Uh, it's 100% terrible. I'm not going to change my mind on that. Is this, It's a is team this... sport. It's a team sport. And the coach, I think, just let his emotions get the best of him at that time uh, because the quarterback is just one player. What about the other guys on the team that, you know, worked, worked their butts off the whole year and believed in the coach? And, you know, coaches, all coaches got to realize they're mentors. They're mentors and uh, the young men trust – uh, the coaches at that level and they believe in the coaches so for that coach to be upset it's kind of like you know you know you have to play ground and you're playing basketball and you keep getting beat so you take your ball and go home that's what that kind of reminds me of but the coach turned initially just turned his back on his players you know even though the players may say they're supporting them I think that's bs uh the coaches I mean I know the players got to be upset with that I know I would be upset with it how about James Munger the dad I would definitely be upset as, as, a, as a parent, uh, you know, uh, I would be upset. Like, why would you turn your back? What about my, so you're saying, you know, my son or these other players are not good enough for you to coach their, their last game and a big game, you know, it's a championship game and you're not going to be there because you're upset about the quarterback. Well, you know, it's terrible having the quarterback, but there's other kids on the team too as well. And I, my other question for you is just because I think this helps to add context not that Little Mungro would ever get in trouble in any kind of way. I feel like <laughs> Little Mungro is very straight and narrow. He's a he good kid. <laughs> He's a good student. But if it was your son who was the one that got suspended, then how would you feel? The same way? Well, if yeah. If it was my, if it was my son who got suspended, I wouldn't want, you know, uh, you know I would deal with that with, within my family, you know, to talk about what happened and what's going on and how to get my, my son help uh, for whatever he did or whatever he didn't do. Um, but... I still couldn't turn my back on my players. I just couldn't do that. I couldn't turn my back on my players. And, okay, I'm the head coach, and my son is on my team, and he gets suspended. So that means I quit? You know, no, 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 no. I, I can't. I mean, I, I signed up for this, and I'm going to give it all I got until the end of the season then make a decision. So I, I think it's totally wrong what the coach did to the other players and to the parents and to, and to, the, to the district. I mean, he's the coach. The, the district has rules. If someone broke the rules, unfortunately, you have to pay the price. That's in anything in life. Anything in life. If you, if you get a speeding ticket, you, you're driving too fast, you get a ticket. You go to the manual, you see how you go to the manual and you see the, the, <laughs> the adjustable rates right. <laughs> that, that's going to, you have to pay out on insurance or whatever, and that's what you have to pay. I mean, you can't just rip it up and throw it away. They're, you won't be able to drive it anymore. So, I mean, hopefully it's a lesson the kid learned. Uh, it's a tough lesson to learn. And obviously, if the kid's a senior. I don't know what year the kid is, but, senior, you know. I believe, right? It, it's tough, but, you know, it's part of life. Mm -hmm. And you just can't, you know, as a coach, I wish you would have made a better decision on that. Appreciate you sharing your thoughts. Thank you. All right, everyone. Final thoughts? Let's get another W, Syracuse. Let's get on a, you know. Keep it moving. Let's get another W, Bills. That will be a heck of a way to go out if they were able to just get If Tommy took one week. for the team in this podcast, I'm going to be very upset. I took one for the team. I hope so. I hope I, hope I did take one for I the team. I hope you one for the team, Tommy. Yeah, see? I, I Look at that. Team effort here. <laughs> The Orange Zone Podcast, Billy Whitaker, Carson Trucks. Thank you, Billy. Thank you, everyone, for watching, listening. Like, comment, subscribe. Peace. We're out of here. See Peace. ya.